a Podcast One production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Tuesday, the 22nd of December. Barricades on the Queensland border to New South Wales are back up this morning as the Sunshine State bans all travellers from the Greater Sydney region in the wake of the COVID outbreak on the northern beaches. The border closure will throw the Christmas and holiday travel plans of thousands into chaos, with the Queensland tourism industry set to take a $250 million hit. But Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk says they cannot afford to take any risks. We do want to welcome those tourists back here to Queensland, you know, down the track. We do love you. But at the moment, if you can appreciate, it is a very hard and very difficult decisions that we're making, but we are making these decisions in the best interests of keeping Queensland safe. We also have a lot of visitors here at the moment as well. Ms Palaszczuk says she won't look at reopening the borders before the 8th of January next year. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian reacted quickly to the border shutdown just three days before Christmas. Of course I'm concerned by what's happening in New South Wales, but every response has to be proportionate to the risk. And all I'm saying to colleagues around the country is please think about the heartbreak and please think about the facts when you're making these decisions because it impacts so many people. There are now 83 cases linked to the Northern Beaches cluster, but patient zero, who is the source of the outbreak, still has not been identified. Authorities are set to make a final call on restrictions for Christmas Day for Sydney Siders tomorrow. There are reports a highly infectious new strain of COVID that is currently sweeping the UK has now been detected in returned travellers in New South Wales. Authorities say it's not circulating in the community and has been contained to the travellers in hotel quarantine. Meantime, that same strain is still spreading across the UK and is believed to be responsible for a doubling in infections, with 33,000 testing positive to coronavirus across the region on Monday. Many countries have banned all flights to the UK and France has stopped trucks from entering the region with fears new restrictions could lead to food shortages. Scientists say the new strain keeps mutating and is highly infectious. Here's UK Health Secretary Matt Hancock on Sky News UK. It is more important than ever that people are responsible, not only stick to the rules, but even within the rules, restrict social contact as much as is possible, because this is, this is deadly serious. Meantime, in what has been a very tough year for many, Lifeline is expecting calls to increase across Australia by as much as 40% this Christmas, with many people isolated from family and friends. Around half of the callers who have contacted Lifeline this year have talked about the impact of COVID. If you or anyone you know needs support, the number for Lifeline is 131114. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Tuesday morning. First to Victoria and the final inquiry report into the botched hotel quarantine program has been released. More than 800 lives were lost in Victoria's second wave of the pandemic, sparked when the virus leaked from hotel quarantine. And most people just wanted to know who was responsible for putting untrained security guards in charge of the hot hotels. Our reporter James Lake is in Melbourne and James did. Did we find out? 
Thanks, Tash. And sadly, no, we didn't get an answer to the one question everyone just wanted an answer to. What came as no surprise from the investigation, though, it uncovered deep cultural problems within the Victorian state government. It has prompted calls for a major external review of the health department at the very least. Most damning is the fact the health department actually refused to accept that it was accountable for the hotel quarantine program. And it has been at loggerheads with the jobs department over who was running it. A number of heads have already rolled in Victoria over the catastrophe, including the health minister at the time, Jenny Makakos. But Premier Dan Andrews says he's going nowhere. To WA now and rising AFL star Sydney Stack will spend Christmas behind bars. The Richmond young gun was allegedly involved in an incident in Perth at the weekend and charged with breaching COVID quarantine orders. He's been refused bail and it's understood his two-week quarantine has started again in prison. Our Perth reporter Claire Baskus has more. 20-year-old Stack was supposed to be in home quarantine in the early hours of Saturday morning when he was instead involved in an incident with police. His home isolation was due to finish on Christmas Eve, but he now has to start a fresh 14-day isolation period in Hakea Prison. He was supposed to fly back to Melbourne on January 4 to start pre-season training, but he now has a court date on January 6. AFL executive Travis Ald had little to say on the matter yesterday. If you don't abide by those rules, then there'll be consequences and I think that's what's occurring at the moment. Now for the latest in business and finance news this Tuesday morning, we are joined by Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Good morning, Scott. The restrictions from the Sydney COVID cluster are having a major impact on local businesses who have already struggled so much this year, especially in the lead-up to the last-minute Christmas retail rush. Oh, Tash, good morning. It's just awful, isn't it? We almost got so close. And, of course, I mean, it impacts lots of different people in lots of different ways. Christmas plans potentially in disarray with border closures, of course, and then the retailers themselves who... Frankly, had a really, really tough year, as we know. They spent the best part of six months with limited trade, finally figured that Christmas would be the time they can make some of it back. They were never going to make it all back, but a good Christmas season really would have put a lot of retailers back on the map. And unfortunately, we're having a situation, particularly in Sydney, but even around the rest of the country, where people aren't going to be spending in that really important last week of Christmas. The big trading days were always Christmas Eve, the day, a couple of days before that. And we find ourselves in the middle of lockdowns in some parts of the country and, frankly, just, as I said, concerned shoppers and, and travellers right around the country. And, Scott, as we reported earlier, the closures are set to have a massive impact on local tourism. As we mentioned, small businesses have done it so tough this year. What's going to be the fallout if people have booked holidays interstate? Uh, these tourism areas just aren't going to get the extra injection of cash that they so desperately need. No, they're really not. And again, summer season is so dramatically important for so many parts of the tourism industry. Thinking, of course, about the coastal areas right around the country, people having to you know, cancel flights or drives into Queensland, Western Australia, into New South Wales from other states, of course. Even though the borders are open that way, people aren't coming because they're not going to get back. Uh, it, it really is across the board. You know, small B&B operators, uh, cafes, restaurants, the whole chain, the whole, the whole supply chain, if you like, of tourism, which is one of our biggest export industries, remember? So not only do we have the issue with no international tourists arriving, that was already a big deal. But once you cancel, again, domestic tourism for the second time in effectively three to eight months, uh, you know, those, those businesses, again, that were just on the edge of hoping that maybe Christmas might save them are now having to cancel bookings. They're, they're losing travellers. They're going to have a pretty brilliant Christmas. And remember, of course, there's money that money doesn't appear in those bank accounts and so can't be spent in the rest of the economy either. So terrible for those individual industries that are impacted directly. 
but the indirect impact, you know, think about in coastal towns or inland towns where the dollars get spent in the in the grocery store, the retail stores, and then flow through those economies for weeks and months afterwards. That money's just not going to turn up this this summer, and it's going to be a really really tough time for many businesses. Yeah, that's why this virus is devastating on so many different levels, Scott. Mm. And a Christmas gift. Do you hear my sarcasm from the government and private health insurance <laughs> industries as premiums are set to rise yet again? I, it's hard not to be cynical, but think about you know it's about the Grinch that stole Christmas. Not only are things bad enough already, the government has approved an average two point seven four percent increase in health insurance premiums right across the industry. Some insurers are going to be charging more, some less, but an average at Christmas time, <laughs> just under three percent, will be uh, getting new bills in the new year from those insurers saying, "Guess what? Thanks very much for your business. How about you pay us a little bit more money?" If I'm a little bit fair to them, uh, we know health insurance health uh, inflation, of course, rises above average inflation. Health costs are going up because we're getting older, we're getting sicker, we're claiming more often. But man, I mean, 2020 is all about finishing with a bang. When you, when you finish the year off with a, a health insurance premium rise on top of everything else, that pretty much sums up 2020 for you, doesn't it? Yeah. Interesting timing at Christmas. They thought it might go under the radar, but not with I you, think Scott. So. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Tuesday. Thanks so much. Thanks, Ty. See ya. Now, let's check sport with Brett Thomas. And, Brett, who will make way for David Warner if he is fit for the Boxing Day test? Yes, good morning, Tash. That is the big question. No guarantee that he will be fit for Boxing Day. Still battling that groin injury. He needs to reach certain speeds in his running to play. But if he does, Joe Burns' half-century uh, second innings in Adelaide does make things a little bit tricky. Matthew Wade shifted up the order and, of course, Cameron Green debuted. Now, assuming that they want to give... Cameron Green another run and his overs as an all-rounder is handy to give the quicks a rest. Then it comes down to either Matthew Wade or Travis Head. Listening to a, a few of the, the former test greats, they're a bit split. Simon O'Donnell thinks that Matthew Wade will pay the price for his versatility being so open to going up the order that perhaps he's the one to make way for David Warner. But Brad Hatt and Mike Hussey both think that it might be uh, Travis Head. Either batsman would be very unlucky. They weren't really needed in that second innings because it was such a low-score chase. be interesting to see what happens. And, of course, uh, we might not just be in Melbourne for the Boxing Day test, but perhaps the Sydney test as well was still a huge doubt over the third test being played at, uh, at the SCG. So we'll wait and see what happens there. So many big decisions up in the air at the moment, Brett. And the AFL has released its fixture for next season. Yeah, that's right. They've released the first six rounds as promised, uh, pending any changes, of course, with the COVID situation by uh, March next year. So the first game is due to get underway at March 18 at the MCG, traditional Richmond-Carlton blockbuster at the MCG. And they've scheduled about 46 games at the home of footy uh, next year. Um, of course, remaining flexible depending on what happens. That's part of the reason why they've only released the first six rounds. The other reason is to keep it open after that. So to maximise uh, TV audiences so broadcasters can say, well, this, these two teams are doing well. We want them on a Friday night. So after round six, you know the team that you're playing and where you'll be playing, but just not the date and the venue. So they keep that pretty open. Plenty of uh, blockbusters to look forward to. We've got Joe Danaher playing against his old side, uh, the Bombers, in the first uh, six rounds. Heaps of games at the MCG, as I said. And 14 of the 18 teams... We'll get to play at least a Thursday or Friday night in those first six rounds. So there's a bit in it for all clubs. And um, just quickly as well, before we move on to some basketball, uh, Kylie Watson-Wheeler, just the second female club president, announced last night at the Western Bulldogs, 
Lifelong Bulldogs fan succeeds Peter Gordon. Uh, she'll be a, a popular choice down there at the kennel. How good is that? Yeah, it's it's great news. Yeah, she'd been vice president for about four years, as I said. Lifelong Bulldogs fan. Peggy O'Neill was the first female president of an AFL club that was at Richmond. So Kylie Watson-Wheeler becomes the second ratified at a board meeting last night. Brett, now let's get on to the basketball. The NBL will be entering a basketball hub in Melbourne next year. It's the new way for COVID, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Of course, we've seen uh, you know hubs in, in many different sports and basketball delayed us to join them. Now, they will actually start their season in January in regular fashion in terms of home and away matches at the different venues around the country. Again, COVID permitting. The only team that won't apply to are the New Zealand Breakers, a bit like the Warriors in the NBL. They'll have to come over to Australia until the borders are fully open to come and go freely and to play games. So they start in January with a normal season. Then February 20, all nine teams come to Melbourne. They're going to play 36 games in a month, counting towards the regular season. And also this brand new thing that they've started up called the NBL Cup, with about 300 grand in prize money. Now, part of the reason, obviously, is to get more games, to get more of the season done, just in case they're forced to shut down. I reckon the other reason, though, is because there's a gap in between the Australian Open finishing in late February, the AFL season and the Australian Grand Prix getting underway, they fall into that gap with all of these games. It means that they're um, the, the, the big sporting event on TV uh, and they get um, yeah, the bulk of the audience. So perhaps an opportunity uh, for them to spread the NBL a little bit further. It's been a really improving league. Attendances have been up. They should get about 75% of crowds uh, by then in Victoria. Um, so this is a, a chance for the NBL to get a bit of a win and get on the, the spawning landscape in Australia. It's great to see it is a good game. Brett, thanks so much. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details now around the country this Tuesday morning and more rain on the way for many parts of Australia today. Possible late shower expected for Brisbane, top of 34. Morning shower or two for Sydney, high of 29 on the way today. Melbourne, rain with possible heavy falls and a storm, 19 degrees. Shower or two on the way for Canberra with a top of 23. Rain also on the way today for Hobart with a high of 20 degrees. Partly cloudy conditions expected this Tuesday for Adelaide, 23 degrees. A warm day on the way today and beautiful conditions, sunny and a top of 36 for Perth. And showers with a possible storm on the way for Darwin and a high of 31 degrees. And while many of us will be separated from our loved ones this Christmas, we have some lovely messages from our defence personnel who will also be missing their family and friends this festive season. Around 2,400 personnel are deployed around the world on operations over Christmas, while some are based interstate in hotel quarantine or patrolling our borders. And here are some very special shout-outs to many loved ones who they won't be with this year. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm Corporal Soraya Stevens. I'm working down in Adelaide on Operation COVID Assist. Big Merry Christmas to my family on the south coast of New South Wales, especially Ree, Laurie and Hugo. Love you all. Hi, I'm Corporal Hutchin here at Sydney Airport on Op COVID Assist. Just wishing our friends and family back in Rockhampton a Merry Christmas. Hi, I'm Abel Seaman Beach working out at the Sydney Airport on Operation COVID-19 Assist. I would just like to wish my friends and family back in Harvey Bay, Queensland a huge Merry Christmas and I can't wait to see you all soon. Some lovely messages there and thinking of everyone who 
is not with their family and friends this Christmas. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, please rate and review and you can also follow us on your socials at Your Morning Agenda on Instagram. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.